Ivy for the tie. Off the rim, and it's over. This miracle run continues for St. Peter's. The Peacocks make history. The first 15 seed to the Elite Eight in NCAA Tournament lore. What's poppin'? Oh yes, my name is Andrew White, and I'm alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, the slickest of slats, K-Slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall. Sports this week have had me wanting to run through a freaking wall. It, everything's going amazingly in the NFL offseason. So much fun stuff. So much rolling up of the carpet and flipping up chairs. I'm having a lot of fun. March Madness and, and Jersey City is having a lot of fun ruining whatever bracket they feel like it. It's March still. Tomorrow's the Sweet 16. I'm good. Justin, how are you? You know, I, I the sports news has really got me going. I'm really happy to be on the show and be able to talk some of this stuff out with you guys because it's been a week of headliners. It's been probably one of the craziest sports weeks that's happened in a long time. And that includes the fact that literally we had NFL and MLB free agency starting up at the same time just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so really excited to talk about the topics. Um, I was up to like 4 a.m. this morning uh, working with some Max eSports athletes on some cool stuff. So I'm a bit tired, but the sports got me going. I'm excited to talk about everything with you guys. Love it. Love it. Uh, Marshall, how are you? Did you get a haircut or trim up the beard? You're looking good. No, I actually did not get a haircut. And I was getting shit earlier for not getting a haircut because uh, it's pretty long. It's funny that you thought I got a haircut. Um, it must be like the angle or something on Zoom. But yeah, it's actually pretty long right now. So um, yes, I did trim up the beard, though. So you are correct okay. on that one. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, but you're good, though. Yes, I'm doing great. Awesome. And uh, Kevin, how are we doing? I'm doing well. I will say that Marshall's hair looks honestly perfectly quaffed, I would say. Same with the beard, too. Like, looks styled well, man. Um, I'm doing well, man. Like, so much has gone on in the last week or two with sports that I'm almost numb to all the breaking news at this point. Like, LeBron James could get traded. I would not be surprised at this point. So, literally, anything is on the table, it feels like. Um, and there are no surprises anymore. So I like that, but it's also intriguing where we are. Post-trade deadline, LeBron James gets traded, manipulates Adam Silver in the league because, you know, the uh, trade. That was a bad that joke. All right, let's move on. It's uh, the Chiefs versus Dolphins deal broke today. That is Wednesday, March 23rd. It was a few hours ago. I would probably put out there that this is arguably the biggest or one of the biggest moves of this offseason so far. So basically, what do you lads think about it? There was a first, second round pick, as well as, I believe, a fourth, fifth, and sixth, or something to that effect, um, where the Dolphins would be giving all of that to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs will give back Tyreek Hill, which, by the way, if anybody's curious, the Jets were close on the trade, giving, uh, giving the Chiefs even a little bit less, but they were still willing to take it. But Tyreek was like, nah, nah, we're not going to do that whole New Jersey, New York thing. I'm going to live the Miami lifestyle. So your initial thoughts, boys, what are we thinking? Honestly, two fastest players in the league, arguably look out, but Tua still can't throw deep Marshall. Yeah. So um, we're still processing this, but um, I think you guys know what I think about Tyreek. I think he, um, I think he's one of the greatest players in NFL history. I think if you had a, two teams of the greatest players of all time, he could crack the receiver depth chart and probably make his way onto the field. That's how good I think he is. So I definitely favor it for the Dolphins side. Um, a few things, everyone's talking about how like Tyreek is going to look in RPO offense because the Dolphins ran a bunch of RPOs last year. Um, they're literally going to have like a different offensive mind kind of at the, at the head of everything. And they just got to run Armstead and Tyreek Hill. I don't think they're going to run the same offense. Um, and two, oh, hey, Tyreek Hill, isn't that kind of redundant? You just have Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill, like, the reason, and I, I talked to I talked to some receivers about this that I know personally a few months ago, and they said if you, out of every NFL receiver, if you didn't know who the quarterback was and, they, and you had to pick the receivers in the NFL, they, they ranked Tyreek one by a, a – very wide margin. And the reason is we know him for the deep stuff, but there's the most, he gives you the most free access throws of like any receiver in the league. Like 
the impact of Tyreek is not just in the explosive. It's like he can get you an extra like two yards on like a hitch route. He can get you like, I mean, he gets wide the hell open on dig routes, screens, jet touches. Like he can really truly do everything. So when I say like, oh, what is this Dolphins offense going to look like? One, I'm not really sure. But two, the Tua stuff of like, you know, we've seen all the jokes of Tua throwing, you know, Tyree killed open downfield and Tua's throwing like a wobbly pass, like 20 yards <laughs> short. I don't think it matters that much. Like it matters who the quarterback is. Like you can't be a total idiot. Um, but I just think that you could make like even average quarterback play look really good if you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. <laughs> and Justin. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I think surprisingly, this is a win for both sides of the trade. Um, Miami, I do think Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are actually two very different creatures in terms of what they can do for a team. So I think set, like trying to be like, oh, you got two of like the same player, which is a lot of what social media is saying like, right now, I think is a completely false argument. Um, Tyree Kill is definitely a bit more of a deep ball guy. and Jalen Waddle does very well with some of the slant routes and also gets a lot of open space. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at what the Chiefs offense was trying to do in the second half of the season last year, Tyreek Hill was struggling to get as many of those deep balls that we were used to seeing from the Chiefs. And I think that's going to play well for Miami is that Tyreek Hill was playing the kind of routes that Miami's probably was looking for um, from that second half of the season. And on the Chiefs side, um, you still have Patrick Mahomes. And with that, it doesn't matter who's on your team right now. It matters who's on your team at the start of the season. And Patrick Mahomes is going to lure in a big crowd of possible wideouts and players to join him. And I think that's where the Chiefs really win because now you have a ton more draft capital. And on top of that, you already have someone who's going to bring in prospects. It's the kind of stuff you're seeing when LeBron brings in players or when we're talking about uh, Nick Castellanos today said Bryce Harper was the main reason that he got there because Bryce Harper convinced him. These big name players are getting closer and closer to the GM level of player. And you're seeing it all the time. You're seeing it way more than it used to be. Um, and you're going to see with the Chiefs, there will be other big names that we're going to see. Right now, it sounds like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to join. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, someone of that caliber join. I think AJ Green's out there right now, too. Um, and they're going to get someone probably in the draft in those first two rounds. I mean... Williams out of Alabama. I mean, he's coming off the ACL tear, but that guy seems like someone who would fit in really well on that staff. And um, it could be McCall Hardman's year. Um, my guess is it won't be. I say it every year and it's not. So I'm just assuming it definitely won't be. Um, but yeah, it should be really interesting. Um, but as a fantasy owner, you got to fade Tyree Kill and Jalen Wobble now because you have no idea what that offense is actually going to do. Kevin. Yeah, I mean... I think I mostly agree with you guys. The one thing I'll say, though, about the Chiefs, even though I think it's a short-term loss because giving up Tyreek Hill, you're essentially trading a top-five receiver, like not really debatably at its position. Like, I think it's a short-term loss, but in terms of – oh, wait, oh, sorry, I thought I was off camera. <laughs> um, but in terms of, you know, the short-term loss, it does stink, but I think what you guys said, it opens up more possibilities. Yes, they can bring in free agent wide receivers, they could also draft a guy later in the first round who could fall back. I mean, I don't know where a guy like Garrett Wilson or someone else would fall, like presumably like a, a higher end guy, but you like we've seen drafts now recently where you can get a great number one wide receiver, even in the second round, potentially like if a guy falls through the cracks, like we've seen this with wide receivers and running backs, those skill positions are just deep. Um, I would say I agree with you guys in that. Twitter's wrong on saying that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are redundant because they have such a diverse skill set and they're truly complete number one guys. I think that they can do an overlap and cancel each other out from being redundant. Like, yeah, if Tyreek Hill goes downfield, like Jalen Waddle's not just a speedster. He can, he can do short stuff. He can do intermediate. Same with Tyreek Hill. I mean, the amount of trick plays too that the Dolphins are going to be able to run with Tyreek Hill probably where again, I still don't think they have a great O-line in terms of traditional ground and pound, but you can run so many trick plays with Tyreek Hill in the backfield of like flea flickers or whatever. Also that and this could be 
a fun offense to watch. Like if you're just a neutral NFL fan. So I think chiefs case in point, like they win with flexibility short term. It's a loss, but they win with flexibility and the long game of keeping Patrick Mahomes happy and building a team in the long term. But the dolphins win in the short term because they did have to do something to spruce up the team. And they had to make a big swing for Tua because at this point, like, the whole idea of them getting to Sean or another franchise QB, it wasn't going to happen. So this was the best move that they could have made, could have made. And I don't think it's that risky on their part, what they gave up. And to your guys' points, uh, Miami, if anyone who's paying attention to the trenches, Teron Armstead on a five-year contract in Miami is yeah. a huge signing for that team. Like that is beyond going to help that team probably more than the signing of Tyree Kill is, to be perfectly honest with you. Because Tyreek Hill is only going to get so many touches. I mean, they've also signed Cedric Wilson this offseason. They brought in Edmonds and Mostert to this team. They have a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. Um, So you really just need time at this point to feed them. And Armstead is going to a lot for those kinds of trick plays that you're probably going to see from a 49ers uh, previous coach. Um, And it's going to look very different. Marshall's 100% right. This is not the same offense that you are going to have seen last year. Um, and it's going to be a huge success or a huge flop. And that comes down to Tua's play ultimately. Yeah. And to go off of what Justin said, the Teron Armstead thing is really interesting because, you know, assuming he stays healthy enough, you now have a left tackle to kind of wash down the point, which if they're going to run some of the wide zone stuff and like, outside the number stuff, which if you've got Mostert, you know, you've got Alec Engel, I'm presuming that you want to do that. Like that, that was your influences. Coaches coach to their influences. A lot of times they change things here and there, but you don't like work under someone for five or 10 years and then just, you know, do completely the opposite. And considering he like loves like 21 personality loves like, you know, some of the heavier formation stuff, these are also two great receivers for if you're putting either two or three guys into the route. And we mentioned like, Hey, if you're this great route runner, like if you're running like deep over routes, like it doesn't matter how much, how well you can run like a pivot route or, you know, like, like precise, like underneath routes or like, you know, the stuff that you saw Hunter Renfro running where it's like four cut routes that I don't even know what you call them, but these are two receivers who literally, if you want to take like intermediate and deep shots with, with like max protection, which you might want to do. Cause like your right side of the line's not that good. You can do that with these two players. They're two of the best players in the league at doing that. We used to two years ago, talk about how Devonta Parker was the wide receiver one in Miami. How much has changed since then? Pretty cool for Miami. So speaking of, we're going to talk, ceilings here not too much into it because we'll get we'll dive more into it as the season gets a little bit closer but after this trade and all season moves in general give me your chief ceiling and your dolphins ceiling i'll start with the chiefs i still believe they their ceiling is a super bowl although this year as of right now and still leaning on the bills and the dolphins although i don't believe they'll win that division i think with the afc west and how powerful they've made each other and how much they might beat each other down I do think the Dolphins can slip into a wild card spot actually quite easily if if they work out those offensive switcheroonies there they might have to endure. But those would be my ceilings for both. And Kevin, we will begin with you next. Yeah, so I'm considering based off the roster they have now, I think the floor for them is a wild card. I think the ceiling is divisional at this point. Like I, th- I just really like what the Bills and the Bengals did in the offseason so far. Like, I think they're really legit. I mean, we'll see what they do in the draft, though, the Chiefs. But something could change. Justin? Um, for me, I think the Chiefs' ceiling is probably a wild-card exit. And this is from a guy who was saying prior to today that they were probably my Super Bowl-winning pick. Um, but I don't think they're going to make playoffs at this point with this lineup. Um, they need somebody else to play wide receiver. Um, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, and Josh Gordon and McCole Hardman is enough to get it done with Travis Kelsey. Um, they need another deep threat wide receiver. I don't think any of these guys are exactly what the Chiefs need in their offense. Um, I currently have them going eight and nine at this very second. Um, and the Dolphins, um, they should be 
a fringe wild card team. Um, that AFC West, I think those teams are going to eat at each other a lot less than you expect. Um, they're all going to have pretty good records outside of maybe the Chiefs at this point. Uh, Dolphins right now, 11-6. and six. I have them getting that number seven seed and making the wild card spot, second in the AFC East. Marshall, the Bills fan, what do you think? Oh, I think the Chiefs will probably win. So because they have the upgraded division, they're going to automatically win less games than they did this past year. I think the question is, how many less games did they win in the regular season without Hill? And I think it's probably one. Um, I think he probably swings about one game per regular season. But in the playoffs, he becomes more valuable. And that's the biggest question. Um, so, I mean, I, I could see them as a first-round exit. I really don't think that they're Super Bowl chances. They fell by a little bit, but I just don't – I just don't see it with this team. I mean, he increased their margin for error, and we've talked about how they're already like a sloppy team. They've still got Mahomes, and like when you've got Mahomes and Kelsey, you've always got a shot. Um, but I just think that Hill allowed them to – like you like straight up didn't play man against them in like many situations because of that one guy. So, I mean, like as a Bills fan, this is awesome for me, even though he's coming to my division. Okay, Deshaun Watson was traded. We we talked about it very briefly at the end of last show. We didn't touch about all the other things. Just the fact that he is now on uh, the Browns that is solidified. Uh, three first-rounders were included in that trade as well as uh, his <laughs> – basically his whole contract being guaranteed as well, his restructured one for Cleveland. Seems like a classic Cleveland move if you want to ask me. But – what do we think about the Browns' outlook now? What's going to happen with them? What do we think? I will begin. Deshaun Watson has not really played real football in over a year. I'll say it, and I'll say it cleanly, and with my chest out, the Browns are screwed. Short-term, medium-term, and long-term, I think they're screwed. If they don't win a Super Bowl within like two years, which is what I feel like the expectation is from fans in that city with Deshaun Watson – they're done for. Gave away way too many picks. Their future's messed up. I mean, their cap's going to implode with how much money they're going to owe this guy. And listen, he, great player, was before, but a year away from football has ruined many a player, even some of the best at their position. And I'm not quite sure if the Browns are going to be able to recover. Marshall, what do you think? So um, I was talking with someone earlier about this. This move was not made because of how much they like Deshaun Watson. It's because of how much they hate Baker Mayfield. And we've piled on Baker Mayfield as a podcast. Um, you know, he's played hurt with that non-throwing shoulder. Um, but my whole issue with Baker was really like, when you when you turn on games, there are throws that regardless of the injury, regardless of how much pain you're in, they're wide open and in front of where he's looking and he just misses. Like for a while I was like Baker Mayfield can't read a three level flood concept because OBJ would be open in the middle of a flood concept. It's, you know, it's, it's there for the taking. It's a, it, it, it's a harder throw to make like at the lower levels, especially like to the field side, but the NFL it's like for how good these players are, it should be like a layup throw based on how like some, of the windows were like, he wouldn't hit backside digs and he just started freaking out. Like he, he, he shows a lot of signs of like where he is broken to me and where like, you know, the Browns, like apparently they had a team ask for a pick in return for picking up Baker. Meanwhile, the Browns are reporting or said that they wanted a first round pick. Why are you going to get a one from, you know, like you, one, you have no leverage Two, you just traded, for, you know, you traded for Deshaun and three, you like crapped on him on the way out, which I don't fully agree with. I think there's probably some truth to it because that level of, you know, they would, it's not the same regime. So like you would never, or almost rarely see it. If like you had the same regime, if John Dorsey was still there and he said that stuff, it'd be like, Oh my God, but he's not, you know, so these guys, they didn't have the high enough picks or opinions of Baker to, to pick him. Regarding Deshaun, I do see the risk in it a lot, actually. But I also think that the Brown part of the thing that I was so harsh on Baker is they had the best run game in the league. 
in terms of like gap zone, um, both running back talent. They had running backs that truly mattered, especially Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is incredible. Um, and they had the offensive line to be able to do this for a while. I know that people say, hey, receiving talent, receiving talent. They literally had the offense for just Baker, like just don't screw it up. And he screwed it up a lot. Um, so Watson's not going to screw it up. I I said this a while back that I don't think Watson's game like long, long term is going to age that well because I think he's going to get himself hurt based on how he plays, his frame. Um, you know, he was dealing and a lot of this was like the, the Texans O-line stuff, but a lot was Watson too. He was, he had to, I think the Dallas game a few years ago, go by bus because he had punctured lungs and like couldn't breathe and go on an airplane properly. Um, so Watson, like Watson's arm strength is not like a cannon cannon, but his playmaking ability is really special and his mobility and his just instinct and his feel. I think he's so, you know, on the field, I think he's so gutty that if he stayed in the Texan situation, I think he would have really like gotten himself hurt. I don't think you can play that many years like that, but the Browns have one of like the five most valuable non-quarterbacks, probably like two most valuable non-quarterbacks and Miles Garrett just as an asset going forward. Um, and, you know, Denzel Ward's great. JOK, you know, played well. So I think they're set up well. It's there's so many things that are not football related, but you know, Watson, I don't really have concerns about him in the immediate, but like he might like the thing we have to talk about is he might get suspended for the beginning of next year, which if you're the Texans, you would love because that pick might be high. Justin, what do you think? I I think you said it best, Whitey. It's a Browns move. Um and to be perfectly honest, it's going to go down. I think it could very well go down as one of the worst moves in NFL history. Like, hands down. Like, I'm getting some Brock Osweiler-level vibes when the Texans gave him that massive contract and all those guaranteed money a few years ago. And this is on a grand scale, about three times that amount of money. Um, I mean, you, you look at the facts. First of all, Deshaun Watson wasn't even going to choose the Browns. We were all talking about how we thought it was going to be the Browns. Then the next day, the Browns are the first team out of consideration. And it makes you wonder, like, why is that? Why is there already hesitancy about Watson going to the Browns? Then on top of that, we hear his base salary for the first year of the contract is $1 million because the rest is guaranteed money in the case scenario that he does still get hit with suspensions or um, actions from lawsuits from people from still the previous issue he had in Houston. Um, on top of that, the Browns have given up everything, and the Browns were not playing at a level that they would be anywhere close to a Super Bowl, and I don't think that's entirely Baker Mayfield's fault either. That team was never fully connected, and like, yeah, Baker Mayfield can play b- bad, but you have the best two rushers in that league, in the league, and you still struggled that much. And that tells me there's other coaching issues, there's other issues with the offensive mentality of the team going on. And yes, the Browns have done a complete overhaul, basically, at this point. A new wide receiver one, a new quarterback. The defense is mostly staying intact. Hopefully get to Devion Clowney back on another contract. There's a lot that looks good, like, on paper. But there is still something wrong with the coaching mindset there that will probably make the Browns extremely unsuccessful. And the lack of draft picks. And no one actually wants to come to Cleveland to play for the Browns. There's so many factors working against this team it's a no-go for me i really think that this move will not pan out at all i have the browns going nine and eight missing playoffs and they're gonna have egg on their face by the end of the season and that is me thinking deshaun watson's gonna play every game this season i still think they'll go nine and eight it's gonna be a very disappointing road they lost their entire fan base here you look at social media everyone's crapping on the whole thing about bringing in deshaun watson not because they loved Baker Mayfield, but honestly, if they would have just kept Baker Mayfield, no Browns fan would have complained. Like, we can complain all we want. The Browns fans loved Baker Mayfield. They thought he could still do it, and they believed that the injury was the thing that held him back this year and that he could have recovered next year. Now you've lost half your fan base temporarily unless you can make a playoff run. I will say, objectively speaking as well, I do think, um, you know, opinions aside and all that, if they don't, 
you know, get pretty close to a Super Bowl within a couple of years. I think, I think a lot of people are going to be very mad at them, including fans. I think that's kind of the threshold they've put out there. Um, but Kevin finishes off. Yeah, this is a big swing. And I think what Justin just said, it could be a massive miss. I mean, looking at what like JC Treader, they, they cut him. I mean, yes, you got Amari Cooper. Um, but your O-line, I don't think is as, as strong as it was in years past defense. You have great guys. Like you, you, again, you have miles Garrett, you have Denzel Ward, but they're not like a deep defense. So again, if you have a critical injury to spot, then that could potentially hurt the team, but it's a lot of guaranteed money for a guy who I believe in Deshaun without a doubt is a top five talent, but off the field, like without getting into it, it's a lot of guaranteed money um, for what came out. So you're banking a lot on one guy who a lot of people would fairly say showed bad judgment um, off the field. And you're also banking on the ability of him and Brown's management to recruit people to come to Cleveland because you don't have the margin for error that you used to have with your draft picks, especially in the near future. Um, Like honestly looking at the team right now, I don't think they're better than the Ravens like talent wise roster, let alone the Bengals. Um, I guess maybe you could argue they had to do something, but, I don't think it's a guarantee that this works out well. Like, again, like who knows, there could be another off field thing that comes up. Like we have no idea at this point. Um, So I think it's a big loss also too, for a Cleveland management group that didn't seem entirely honest. Like what, say what you will about Baker Mayfield or what he was pre-draft, like and whatever legal issues he had or like what was going on, like with what he did on the field. To say that you want an adult in the room and then you trade for Deshaun, like I would have more respect for you. I would, or I would, I think people would have more respect for you if you said, look, off the field doesn't matter for us, quite frankly. We want to get better at quarterback. And this guy's way more talented. Because sometimes that happens. Sometimes talent just wins out all the time, why people make the moves. But you can't argue. <laughs> that it was character why you wanted to throw out Baker Mayfield and then bring in Deshaun Watson based off of everything that was said. So the management and the, and the general management of the Browns, it seems phony to say the least and not sincere in terms of why they wanted Deshaun. They wanted him because he was way better and more talented than Baker, but they didn't care about the off-field stuff enough. That's quite frankly what happened. And talking about Baker Mayfield and potentially maybe have had a maybe could have had a better situation in going to the Colts, that is now no longer a thing unless he will be a backup QB. As Matt Ryan is headed to, if not already in Indianapolis, he will be with the Colts. And I believe I read so two things I'm going to say today. One, um, the Falcons are taking the worst uh, dead cap money in the history of the NFL by $7 million in this trade. And on top of this, a stat that I also saw recently that Matt Ryan, when his running back runs for a hundred yards or more is 37 and six in his career. Not saying that matters that much other than the fact that Jonathan Taylor is his running back. So what do you guys think here? Did the Colts upgrade? I would say yes, relative to the notion that they were very much considering deleting Wentz for a similar player in Baker Mayfield. I think Matt Ryan in the short term might be able to cook a little bit of something. What do you guys think? Um, we'll start with Justin this time. Um, yeah, for me, um, I think this is a bad move. The Colts have got themselves stuck in this mindset of repeatedly picking at veteran quarterbacks and thinking something's going to hit. I mean, Phillip Rivers and the Carson Wentz and the Matt Ryan, I also think is a downgrade from year to year. Um, I, I got to be honest, I think the Carson Wentz trade was pretty close to fair. I mean, not what actually ended up happening, but at the time, I think it made sense. Um, I think a third rounder for Matt Ryan is a bit of an overtrade. Um, I mean, I guess you're getting a pretty 
a cheap quarterback at that spot and it helps you save it a lot of other spots since the Falcons have to take off such a payload. Um, but ultimately, I don't think Matt Ryan with that wide receiver core in Indianapolis is going to be enough. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will probably still be a top five back, but I do expect a small regression um, this season just out of the fact that he did have such an amazing season this past year. Um, I usually don't see running backs going back-to-back years and winning rushing titles. So obviously, Derrick Henry was um, out for a large portion and would have won that title if he was healthy. Um, ultimately, uh, I think this is probably going to be the Colts' worst season out of all these veteran quarterbacks that are bringing in. Um, I have them going 4-13 and 13 right now, to be perfectly honest, and probably getting a top-five pick and getting wow. a quarterback in next year's draft class. Um, and Matt Ryan trying to go to a situ- win-now situation will ultimately realize that Indianapolis is certainly not a uh, win-now situation unless you have a bit more of a wide receiver piece to accompany that passing game. We'll go to Kevin before Marshall finishes. Yeah, you know, when I when I was a young boy, um, oh, my boy. mom and my aunt, they would go and they would get lottery tickets. And, you know, you have the New York lottery, the New York Powerball, or you have the New Jersey lottery, you know, and it goes like for taxes or whatever, like the state wants. And you scratch off a lottery ticket and maybe you buy one and maybe you can get a mil- become a millionaire. Or maybe you just get $5. The Colts have subjected themselves to and are now in the loop of quarterback lottery. They are just scratching off lotto tickets. They're frantically trying to figure out stuff. They honestly, in my opinion, gave up on Carson Wentz way too fast. Um, Because at this point in his career, I don't know if you can say Matt Ryan's objectively a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Like, at least on a talent wise because yes he won mvp in 2016 and i think he he's still a starting quarterback but based off the arm talent and just what i saw like in general i, I don't think he's the quarterback he was three or four years ago and you know is he better than you can argue like baker or jimmy g at this point because of like injuries to their shoulders and like maybe them not being able to throw the ball that far like yeah, he, like he might have more arm talent than those guys, but that's not like a good comparison. Like like Matt Ryan, he's 36, going to be 37 next year. And they're investing now, or they're going to bring on a guy who not only has a cap hit, but also in two or three years is probably going to be out of the league. Like Matt Ryan's probably not going to be a starter in two, in two or three years. Definitely three, in my opinion. Um. Like, can they be competitive? Can they be a fun team that wins their division because it's bad? Yes. But if I was them, like, next year or two, like, they have to be aggressive trading up in the draft for a quarterback because, like, just having Matt Ryan or rotating year to year with veteran quarterbacks, it's like like determining your whole financial success on the lottery. You're going to get burned more often than you win. Marsh. So I'm uh, I actually love this move. Um, I think this is probably who the Browns should have taken in a vacuum. Um, I just think Matt Ryan, like based on the construct of their team and the season they went through last year, I just think that predictability, it can be really necessary and like well appreciated after just something chaotic. And Carson's just so chaotic to the point where I'm just out on him. Um I think he just completely mismanages games. And when you're working with teams that will assume, you know, they'll win on the margins with, you know, if you want to have like a consistent defense and a run game, you're playing the percentages at that point. And so the percentages and like how you play things from a coaching and schematic standpoint completely change. um, If your quarterback just goes AWOL, you know, off the rails for a little bit and you just don't know how to predict them regardless of the highs. Um, you know, I think it's why Mac Jones is going to work so well in New England, just because Mac is like, he's just very predictable. You just know when you have some, you know, it, it, it depends on what team dynamic you're working for, but the coat, the, the Colts are very like, I just think that they can manage games and based on the season that they had last year, you know, Matt Ryan's like arm 
it's not like what it once was, but he anticipates so well, especially on like outbreakers, intermediate outbreakers that your arm should really matter more on. Um, and the one other thing that I will say, um, there was one offensive lineman that I said sucked, and I used the S word. I said he sucked before he came into the draft. That was Jalen Mayfield, the left guard of the Falcons. And he was terrible this year. He was god-awful bad. Well, your left guard's Quentin Nelson now. So, um, you know, Matt Ryan, um, I had a buddy tell me that he said he thought Matt Ryan, like, had Parkinson's in the pocket. And, like, once I heard that, I couldn't really stop seeing it. But part of that is because, like, their, their offensive lines have been, like, pretty bad. Everyone always focuses on their weapons. But their offensive lines have been, like, soft zone-type players. Sometimes they have gap-type players. But largely zone-type players who, like, are pretty soft. We saw it with Matthews against Dante Hightower in the Super Bowl. Like, I just think that having an actual offensive line, and, yes, they still have to address the left tackle position, which is – this is why you draft tackles um, because, you know, they're hard to find, especially when you don't have like a first and second round pick. Um, so actually they might have a second. They have a second, right? Uh, I'm, I'm actually not sure. Yeah. I believe they have a second because of the Carson deal. Um, but yeah, they do. They do. You're right. Okay. So they have a two, you know, it's just hard to find tackles. Um but I just think that Ryan, he just knows how to manage games. I've been a fan of him for a while now, and I think he's kind of underrated. Um, gets too much shit for the Falcon Super Bowl implosion. Um, I think that was a lot not on him, even though he was the quarterback. Um, so I like this move. I just think that it, it's not a high price, you know. Yes, you guys are right. The Colts, the Colts long term, like I don't know, man. I don't, I, I don't know, like what you yeah. do long term. But I just think that you can have some stability this year um, and maybe even a little bit higher ceiling than otherwise expected. But, you know, this move, I just like in a vacuum. Now, you know, we'll get into later on the actual discussion about, okay, what do they do long-term? Because I don't think the options are that great. (laughs) Kevin, were you going to say something before we move on? Yeah, I mean, in general, like, I do think the Colts, like in some areas, they do need some help. Like I think if they have another wide receiver two or, or someone like that next to Michael Pittman, I think it would really help them. But I think they're going to have to go all in and like whenever Bryce Young or someone else comes out of the draft in the next two years or so, because again, I think we saw this with Jacksonville where like the roster is so talented, but the weakness at quarterback eventually, like you can't always rely on that roster over time because Again, football teams, O-linemans, you know, they don't age like wine. They, they age like milk. So it's, you know, they could decline very fast is what I'm saying with the Colts, even though they think they have a window. All right, super rapid. We're going to try to squeeze this in before um, ending our show with some March Madness. So Devonta Adams was also traded uh, out from the Packers for a first rounder as well as a second rounder. And we're just going to say whether or not this was a W for either teams, the Raiders or the Packers, and that's kind of it. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the future. Um, I'll start off by saying W for the Packers in the sense that they actually kept a deal with Aaron Rodgers when he knew that Devonta Adams was leaving. I, I actually think that's like a massive W because they could have really been in a bad, bad situation. Um, the first and second rounder, you know, they might actually be able to address certain things, maybe get another wide receiver. And uh, other other problems that they might have, you know, sometimes you got to let go of a piece, but they kept, I think, the most important part and the Raiders, you know, have have the duo back, the college duo back. I'm here for it. I like it a little bit for both. Nothing too crazy, though. Justin. Um, I, I like it a lot for the Raiders. I think they got great value out of it. And I don't think those draft picks would have done better than Devontae Adams. Um, and honestly, I think for the same reason that you gave, Andrew, I think this is a loss for the Packers because honestly, if both of them left, it was a complete rebuild. Mm. If Devontae mm. Adams stayed and Aaron Rodgers left, there was maybe hope you find a way to move up in the draft board, draft a quarterback or find a veteran, and you're still competing. Um, at this very second for the Packers, you are now putting a ton of money into Aaron Rodgers, which means you're not rebuilding. And I don't think you have the playmakers around him mm. to currently be a contender. Um, 
So I think Aaron Rodgers has them a bit trapped right now. Um, and Aaron Rodgers might be trapped in an epitomous first round of playoff exits or losing to the 49ers on repeat again and again. Um, but I, I said this a few weeks ago when we were talking about Super Bowl picks. Um, I think the Vikings are probably my favorite to win the NFC North still right now. I think that team's way more complete on offense and defense. They've just brought in Zadarius Smith. Um, I think they're set up very well right now to dominate that NFC North this season, unless the Packers can find a really good wide receiver one via a trade. I don't think Jarvis Landry or Julio Jones can patch up um, an aging Aaron Rodgers the way they can uh, Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs team. I respect the what you're saying the bind with Aaron Rodgers that makes that makes sense it makes sense Marsh. So Devonte, I'll say this first. I like the deal from the Packers standpoint. Uh, pretty, I wouldn't say pretty decisively because Devonte is really good. And there's obviously going to be returns on the on the Raiders ends that are very positive. The Derek Carr connection, but Devonte is 29. He has 190 more catches than Tyreek Hill. He's also a year older. He also doesn't have speed to burn you know he's a low four five guy and his usage you know like i don't have any concerns about Devonte like continuing to produce um you know he's i think he is uh in the top echelon of receivers but i think his usage is well so long term with him you know, he actually, even though he's a low four or five guy, he is an explosive player. I mean, like if, have you ever got, have you guys ever seen like his dunk videos? Yeah. He, he is an insane athlete. Um, but the reason I kind of care about that XX speed is because playing that type of, you know, possession style game that he plays, it's like, he's just going to take a lot more hits. And, you know, the one kind of area where speed and quickness, like, you know, Ladanian Tomlinson, weirdly enough, is the player that I used to think about this because, you know, even though they ran like the Norv Turner offense, they ran a lot of like gap stuff. A lot of the why, you know, there were a lot of hits that he didn't take because of his quickness and like how he would end up either out of bounds or kind of on the edge of the defense. Um, and he talked about that, how, you know, he thought he preserved his body a little bit with some of his like stylistic choices and you know, every touchdown you also score, you know, he, he had a season where he scored like 20, you know, 31 touch or whatever he scored. It's like, well, usually when you score a touchdown, you don't get hit, um, which is kind of just something to think about. But, you know, I think it just, when it comes to the contract, the players that allows the Packers to keep, you know, Rasul Douglas played really well. Campbell played really well last year. Um, and kind of where the one thing that I think it does for Rogers is like, it is bad in the, immediate because Devonte is so good but you might get a rogers where when he doesn't have Devonte, sometimes he kind of has to just say like it's like when you're like ah uh, it's like when you're sitting with your friend in class and when you're younger and your teacher moves you and you're like damn it like but it forces <laughs> you to meet other people it's kind of like that. The problem is, you know, they have a bunch of like giant blocking receivers who, you know, he might not like the other people in this class so much. Uh, <laughs> so that might be the actual downside of it. Um, it's just weird though, man. Like, you know, like it, it's just part of the whole off season that it doesn't even feel real, but considering you got a one and a two and the one is where it is, I think you will be able to get some value from that one. And, you know, depending on where you want to put that too, um, but the Packers are weird. You know, the Packers, like, they clearly have profiles for a lot of their positions and what they want to do. Um, it depends how long Rodgers sticks around. But, like, you know, I think it will be negative in, you know, for this year because of how valuable Devontae really is. And let's keep in mind, the guy who's won MVP the past two years has been throwing to Devontae Adams all season. <laughs> um wouldn't be surprised if Derek Carr is definitely squared in the center of the MVP conversation when we get to midseason. Ooh, interesting, interesting. A little love for him, a little love. All right, Kev, finish this off quick. Yeah, I would say the Raiders won, um, clearly, like I think clearly in the trade. I would say Rodgers won in that he got the bag, so he got a bunch of money. Um, I think the Packers lost. Like I think piggybacking on what you guys said, uh, to me their window's clearly closed as of right now. And long-term, I also don't know if it necessarily resolves the issues because 
it, the extension tells me that they don't believe necessarily in Jordan Love, but Rodgers is 38, going to be 39 next December. So it's like, are they going to be looking for another quarterback at some point as this guy's approaching his 40s? And then you're, again, at another conflict potentially where Rodgers essentially is going to be like, yo, what the hell? Like, I'm still in my prime. Like, build a winner around me. And, again, they might want to look for another quarterback simply. I mean, I don't know if that was the talk in the discussions. It could have been, but I don't know if it necessarily resolves everything. They could be very back at the same negotiating table, like angry at each other, just like they were last year. Okay. Getting into March Madness to end the show. Now, we all recognize that St. Peter's is probably our most surprising upset. And I would say to about 95% of this country, I would think you're lying if you don't think that's up there. Uh, You know, the whole... I know some people are like, oh, I picked St. Peter's. That was like an obvious, but we're not, we're not doing that. We're, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, so uh, Jersey City, pretty dope. I work very close to them, you know, like five miles away, 2,000 kids, barely anybody in the gyms watching their games. Funny to watch. So good for them. But outside of that, biggest upset in the first two rounds. And I will admit it, I will start off. I was clearly wrong about the Michigan Wolverines. And I will be the first one to say out loud that that was my most surprising, um, you know, upsets. I mean, they beat Colorado State, which, you know, that's not really like a massive upset. For me, it was. But the Tennessee one, man, that's a Tennessee was a, a title team in some people's eyes, uh, including myself. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if Tennessee won at all. So uh, Michigan, I give them a lot of credit. I gave them a lot of crap about their schedule. I think it was well-warranted crap, but they've proved me wrong. And that is actually my most shocking one that they beat Colorado state and Tennessee, Justin. Uh, yeah. First of all, the St. Peter's gym thing, people need to take into account. St. Peter's was on spring break. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. Sorry. I didn't know. No, didn't. no, no. That's not a you thing. That is a social media thing that was blown way out of proportion. They're like, Oh, there's barely anybody in the gym cheering on. They were on spring break. Everyone was home. They were in Cancun, bro. Yeah, I'm impressed there was that many people there. Everyone was in Cancun, as Kev said, getting drunk out of their minds on spring break and celebrating St. Peter's. St. Peter's (laughs) probably has the most drinks consumed by fans this offseason. (laughs) Like, it's got to be crazy. But uh, let's keep in mind, um, the last college basketball game I was at, um, it was St. Peter's beating Quinnipiac. So if Quinnipiac had won that game, they would be in the Sweet 16. Right, Um, right. Right. But Miami, very shocking team to me. Um, huge small ball team. Um, a lot of people had them um, winning the small ball versus big ball matchup in the first round, and I was um, pretty hesitant to believe that, um, and they got it done. And then, honestly, they, are, they just have a good three-point D, and Auburn um, apparently did not game plan the play in the paint, um, which was shocking to me. I don't know how Auburn came out there and thought, yeah, we're playing a short Miami team. Why why do not dominate in the paint? It, it was a huge mistake by Auburn, a huge coaching misplay. Um, and they were cold anyway from beyond the arc. So everything went wrong for Auburn in that game from the game playing the start. It's completely coaching fault on that one, not even the players being cold. Um, but Miami, I'm very impressed. Small ball play ended up getting them right to the Sweet 16. Marsh, what do you say? Is it is it going to be the UNC over your brother's Baylor Bears? Although it could have been possibly the worst UNC coaching I've ever seen in the second half. But what's your what's your pick? No, I'm fading UNC. Um, I don't know. My whole take on the tournament is like UConn lost round one, Baylor lost round two, Notre Dame lost. Like I don't know, man. It's just you know, it's just not my year. It's not my year. Man. Boys, man. Yeah, my boy. Yeah, you know. Every rooting interest is out, and we have a team from the MAC still in the tournament. That's about as bad as it can go. <laughs> this yeah. is coming from people from the MAC, by the way. So we yeah, can say to, that. And to be honest, like the Baylor one, people can be like, oh, an eight seed beat a one seed. Baylor lost two of their best players for the season. Um, uh, anybody who had them winning at all probably just didn't realize the injury report on that Baylor team. Um, they were very prone to being upset. Um, 
And UNC, I just didn't think their defense would pull through. And their defense had a really good first half. And then remember, they were the UNC defense and stopped playing in the second half. Um, honestly, you can say that was bad coaching. I agree it was bad coaching. But it also, once again, showed that the UNC defense we have been seeing most of the season that's been letting up 90 points to low-level teams. That's a fair That's a fair point. Fair addition. And Kevin, your, your wildest upset in your eyes. Yeah, probably for me, Auburn, because I, I think I had them getting to the Elite Eight, I think I had. I think I had them losing to Kansas. Um, of course, you know, the noob I am, I picked all the Blue Bloods, so it's like, you know, whatever. But, you know, it happens. Um, the, the one thing I'll say, though, is, um, yeah, no, it was a complete tactical mistake. Like, like the inability or the unwillingness to, like, of Auburn to impose its will, like in terms with its, you know, height and weight size. I mean, I, I think Jabari Smith, like he had a bad game. Like I still like him as an NBA prospect. Um, you know, he might not have the ceiling of a guy like Chet Holmgren, but I, I think he gives you like good three D potential, but you know, if you're looking for like a franchise guy in your top five, like maybe you do have some questions, like, I don't know, with like him not being like the ball handler that Chet Holmgren is, but like overall, um, Auburn had like a fun year and, but also too, you were kind of like thinking like, well, they're going to come back to earth because it's, you know, like no one really thinks like, Hey, Auburn's going to go on like this crazy run. Like we don't view them as a basketball school really, but you know, it's a good year. Good year. Hey, hey they're not a football school either. Ooh. No, <laughs> their basketball uh, team has been better than their football team for at least three years now. Oh, like, hell yeah. Down. Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah. They got nothing in the, I uh, know I'll stop. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, hey, I can ride on this all the way until January. I have the right, okay? I, I noticed, too, your dig at Michigan in the beginning where you're like, you're like, oh, the, like, Big Ten not, schedule. It's not like the first time. No, no, okay. No, it wasn't necessarily the 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 Big Ten's not good, okay? It was it was genuinely their, their losses were kind of like, you know, not good, and I thought they were getting a little rewarded a little bit too heavily. But I rescinded it. I did say they, they proved me wrong. I did. I admit it. I, I just think it's funny because you say almost the same thing in football. Yeah, I, I, I do. To be fair, I think you, you're valid with football. But Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's fair. Okay. Sweet 16, oh, one, we're going to – Oh, yeah, go on, go on. So, um – you know, to kind of cap off my uh, my rooting interest for uh, <laughs> for the <laughs> for the March Madness tournament, I got to see you know the end of the Texas Tech game, which you know refs kind of few questionable calls there, and the physicality of Texas Tech kind of showed. Um, Marcus Marcus Santos Silva um, is like he kind of just like that guy should be playing football. You know, he's six seven, like two sixty. And just this clearly very physical rebounder. And when I see these players, you know, because I played this way. So when I see these players, I'm like, oh, wow, he must be really good. Well, they're not actually that valuable. They, they're they very physical. They're not that valuable. I looked up his stats and it's like 4.8 points, 4.2 boards. He's not even getting as many rebounds as I thought, you know, because, but he's, you know, he's leading the, <laughs> probably leading towards the top of the tournament in terms of just cool plays. Uh, from like a physical <laughs> low post player and being physical and then not getting rebounds. So that's the one observation I had. Shout out right. cool physicality. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire action. We're going to go through sweet 16 games and just pick the winner. And then we'll do our final four predictions. And then two more things. Okay. Gonzaga, Arkansas, Gonzaga, Justin. The Zags. Right, Marshall. Zags. Kevin Zags here boy all right Texas Tech Duke Duke for me Justin Duke's gonna blow them up <laughs> blow them up not just blow them out uh Marshall well we just gave Marcos uh Santos Silva a shout out on the show so that means Texas Tech Texas Tech is going to win all right Kevin <laughs> I got Duke winning but with my luck they'll probably lose so sorry Duke but I got you UNC, UCLA, UCLA, Justin. UNC defense will not play two halves. Give me UCLA. Wow, they're starting to dance. Um, uh, Kevin. Um, I got UNC over UCLA. Okay. Uh, Marshall, or is it still playing? Whatever. <laughs> not playing. <laughs> I hate ESPN. <laughs> I hate ESPN. Um, what, what was the, what was the uh, U- UCLA, UNC. 
Uh, UCLA. Okay. Uh, Purdue, St. Peter's. I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I, I got Ivy and, and Purdue. Uh, Justin. On paper, St. Peter's, I think, wins this game. But in reality, Purdue just has too many huge seven-footers. I got to take Purdue. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Marshall. Yeah, the talent is just too different. You know, I can't see Purdue losing this one. Kevin. Yeah, I got Purdue to the size and also Jaden Ivey. I don't know really how they contain him. Oh, he's so good. Jeez. Um, Michigan Villanova. Going to be biased here. I like Villanova. And I'm... Michigan proved me wrong, but not enough. Uh, Villanova. Uh, Justin. Well, it, it'll be a good game, but I do think Nova will take care of business. Marshall. Uh, I wanted to feed them, but I, I think Michigan's luck ends. You know, I can't see a team with 14 losses getting past Villanova. Kevin. I like Villanova. They're a very fundamentally sound team. I still think Jay Wright's the best coach in college basketball. It's a great take. Kansas, Providence. Kansas could definitely win it all. Uh, so, Kansas. Justin. Yeah, I got to take Kansas here. Um, Providence, surprisingly, is playing up to their record, which I did not expect. But um, Kansas is just better. Uh, Marshall. Kansas. I think they might win it all, too. Kevin. I got Kansas. Fun fact, I was going through, though, their championship records, like all time for March Madness. Of all the blue bloods that have made almost like damn near like double-digit championships, They've won three times, but they've lost a staggering nine times in the championship game. Oof. Tough. Sorry, Tough. Kansas. That's right. <laughs> bringing back the memories. Um, the highest seeded game, Iowa State, Miami. Iowa State's defense, too dirty. They've been showing out. I mean, 49 to Wisconsin. It's, they're just they're 54 to LSU. I, Iowa State for me. Justin. Uh, Iowa State's been being under-talked. I think Iowa State really is the true Cinderella of this, so I'm taking Iowa State. Marshall. Uh, Miami, two and, a, uh, two and a half point favorite, but we're going with Iowa State here. I, I'm, I'm buying some stock. Kev. We got Iowa State here. Shout out alum Monte Morris. Oh, that's hype. Really? Yeah, I remember. I saw him playing college. I was like, oh, this guy's – I was like, damn, this guy's good. <laughs> like, this guy looks like an NBA player. And then, like, now he's a really good backup, but – or starter yeah. now this year. All right. And our updated final fours. I will begin. Uh, Duke, Purdue. Never thought I'd say that. Duke, Purdue, uh, Villanova. I personally think Arizona should have lost the other game. Uh, and Kansas. I'm going to give some pretty basic takes as of now. The most consistent teams, in my opinion. Justin. Uh, for me, uh, I'm sticking with Arizona and Gonzaga and UCLA. Those three I'm sticking with. Uh, I did lose Auburn, but I'm going to take Iowa State to upset Kansas in the Elite Eight. Iowa State has some upset potential on that team. That defense plays well. Um, uh, Kansas and Providence could be a burner game that could just burn out Kansas going into the weekend. I think Iowa State's going to take business care of business a bit more handedly um, coming into that match. Um, yeah, give me Iowa State. I think it's going to be... Um, the definite Cinderella. Marshall. So we've got Purdue. Um, speaking of players I like, if I could play like anyone, it would be Jaden Ivey. Um, yeah. <laughs> Respectable answer, yep. Yeah, these six-foot-four combo guards that are 200-plus are always pretty cool, uh, except for James Harden. Um, <laughs> Gonzaga... <laughs> Um, I'm going Villanova over the Wildcats, and then I'm finishing it up uh, with Kansas. And Kevin, yeah, I'm keeping my three. I'm keeping three of my four. So Duke, Arizona, Kansas. They haven't been knocked out yet. I'm keeping them. And you know, from the Kentucky bracket, I'll probably go UNC. All right, still blue bloods. Why not? Fair. <laughs> and historically, historically, um. Historically yeah. Um, okay. Before our hot take to end the week, no explanations, but our NBA and, and MLB finals or slash World Series picks. Ooh, I will begin and I will start with the MLB. Going to go Dodgers versus Blue Jays. 
That is what I have in the World Series. And the NBA is the Brooklyn Nets with Ben Simmons starting to play in the second round against the Sixers. That'll be when he decides to play. Or I guess it's the first round after the play-in, whatever you want to call it. Um, against the Warriors. I think the Suns may fall apart. That's what I got right now. All right, Kev, don't look at me like that. I know it's a little bit of a hot take. I mean, I, realistically, if you want to deep down, I want to be boring. I could just stick with the Bucks per usual. But I think I think the Nets got a little story here. So, okay, Justin. I'm feeling my takes are beginning to get more Homer-esque. Um, but honestly, Philadelphia just has good teams right now. Um, I'm taking the Warriors over the Sixers. And I'm going to go with the Blue Jays for the second year in a row um, over the Phillies. Actually, I think that 5,000 DHs playing in one lineup will work out. <laughs> uh, Kevin, would you like to go next? Yeah, for MLB, um, I, would say, I would say Dodgers, and I would agree with you, Blue Jays. I think they're the sleeper in the AL. Um, they got a really good team of mashers, but ultimately, NBA, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? Um, I'm going to go Memphis Grizzlies. Oh. Memphis Grizzlies, and I'll go. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to go Bucks. The Boston Celtics to the NBA Finals. The hottest teams in the league right now, by far. Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm here for it. Well, not really. I don't really want to see the Celtics in the finals, but I'm I'm here for the take, Marshall. We're sticking with it. We're gonna jinx Justin, and we're going Sixers. And then the Western Conference, I originally had the Warriors, but I've thought about something. Draymond Green has been giving very good answers in press conferences lately. Right. Does it matter? He's putting so much thought into his press conference answers <laughs> that it is going to hurt their team. We're not going to get the same Draymond. He's not going to have the same energy in the final. Just think about it. Look at his face when he's giving those answers in his press conferences. He's already tired from thinking so much. Right. I never thought about that much. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. And my, my conversation with Kevin a few weeks ago swung me. I'm going to go Suns. They finally do it this year. I don't think Chris Paul has to actually do that much. I think Devin Booker's that good. I think that team depth is so good. Uh, I think one through eight, one through nine, they are legit. And you're going to have to play them at home so i'm switching it to the suns and your ml mlb i know it's uh, you know oh, you, you, you dropped it when you were 12 but yeah man you know i'll have to i'll have to get back to you <laughs> that's, that's Do- dodgers over angels Just yeah, dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> uh kev what, what were you gonna say yeah like, like my only question with the suns and this is like what i, I guess i'm just asking on the side how confident do you feel that chris paul can stay healthy in the playoffs and if he isn't healthy, that they can withstand that. I don't know how healthy he can be, although I do think they're not going to play him until he's actually genuinely okay. So I think he'll be fine enough. Uh, and I think the Warriors are going to have uh, enough injury concerns themselves that I think it'll be about even. And to me, those are the two best teams. Grizzlies, I think they're one year away. That's my answer. That's yeah, I'm, I'm positive on both as well. I, I think they'd be fine if Chris Paul doesn't play. I think they're still... Um, very much up there for finals contention. Yeah. There you go. All right. Finally, our hot take of the week. Let's get right into it. I will begin. Iowa State has over a 50 percent chance in my head of winning it all. And a, a ultra hot take and Zaga loses by 20 to Duke. There you go. Two. Justin. Um, yeah, um, I am taking Iowa State to the Final Four. Like I said, I think that's really um, – that's pretty hot for me, in my opinion. Um, Arizona-Houston will be a great game as well. Um, I think Arizona-Houston will go to – yeah, we'll say three overtimes. Nice. That game will go to triple overtime, and Arizona will ultimately win. Kev? Yeah, um – my hot take, uh, triple dog dare, absolutely putting money on this take. Well, not. Um, I got Kansas winning. I got Kansas reversing history. 
I got Bill Self winning his second championship. Um, I think Oche Obaji, like I think he is very underrated when it comes to being like a future NBA player. Um, I know he's like a senior and like that. Some people might hold that against, you know, like guys who like staying later, but I think he's going to be like a very good NBA player. Like he can shoot, drive, dish off to people. Like I like him. Um, even guys like Christian Brown, which really is Braun, but they say Brown. Um, like he's, I like, I think he could be like a decent NBA player, like the next level. Um, so I think like Kansas, like they have some talented guards, man, or forward combo guard types. And, you know, I, I like them. Everybody bet all your money on Kansas. Like that, that's, you'll lose no money. You'll lose no money. I promise. This is quite the contradicting show. We have some Iowa States and we have some Kansas and that's the same bracket for the elite eight. (laughs) Realistically, I I do actually think Kansas wins it all, but I wouldn't really be surprised if Iowa State's at the championship. Had them in the sweet 16 defense is just nasty, but uh, Marshall, your hot take of this week. Everyone's talking about Tyreek Hill turning around the Miami Dolphins, but they are underrating the addition of Alec Ingold. Not because he is some transcendent fullback. He's a pretty good fullback, but it's because he is a fullback. And teams that add fullbacks are better than teams that do not add fullbacks. Well said. Yeah. All right. This has been Q Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Justin Ellis, Kevin Slattery, and Andrew Marshall. Recording on Wednesday, March 23rd, the day before the Sweet 16. We're saying lights out. It's a great day to be alive. Go dogs and Anthony Volpe. When in his spring training day, got a picture with Stanton and Judge because he's on the squad. Get after it, kid. Uh, go Bachelorette, the TV show. I have to bring it up again. There's going to be twin brother QU alums, Justin and Joey Young, as contestants this season. I am pretty sure I've had a conversation with one of them. I don't know which one. Wait, are those um, the tan guys with the really big pupils and the curly brown hair? Tall? Uh, yeah, tall, the curly brown hair. Their hair both looks like the exact same quiff upwear, a tiny bit curly on the top. No way. Yeah, they're what both is... going to be on the show. Um, what? And this, yeah, and this season of Bachelorette, they're doing two Bachelorettes at one time. So it's going to be like a super different dynamic this season. It's going to be pretty hype. So check that out. Wait, is this the, the Katie and the other girl one, or is that last year? That was last year. This is a different uh, one. These are two people from like the bachelor season that just ended. So you probably don't know anything about the girls. Whack, whack. All right. Sorry to interrupt the sign-offs. You know, shout out to prompts of the new Yankee season. Um, you know, I, I, I'm anxiously excited for the season. Um, we'll see what happens, but you know, we'll keep, we'll see what happens, but you know, shout out Yankee. Let's go baby. baseball season. Go Lakers. Uh, shout out LeBron. Actually, actually, like genuinely, like no strings attached. Um, he's had, I don't care about the Lakers record. I hope we get into the playing game. Um, and Anthony Davis, get your ass back on the court. Uh, you know, you're ugly, but really good at basketball. Also, go Bills and suck in Mahomes. Don't have Tyreek anymore. Oh. <laughs>